In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, I believe in angels a lot. When I was the night minister, you know, we would go out and we experienced things, saw things, heard things, learned about things that most people don't even think about that happen in San Francisco in the middle of the night. And I always felt like I was one of the 70 being sent out by God with that reminder that the angels are with you, that I am with you, and you have this power and authority over evil and wickedness in the world. And so, so often I felt the presence of angels with me walking at night. Where I was mostly concerned, though, uh, was when we had groups that would want to walk out with a night minister and see what we do and experience what life was like in ministry on the streets of San Francisco at night. And sometimes the groups were fine. They were groups of adults um, that could handle what they saw pretty well. But then sometimes there were college kids. They were okay, usually. There were high school youth groups. They were mostly okay. But then sometimes there were confirmation classes. And, you know, the age of confirmation keeps going down and down. So sometimes we had 12 and 13 and 14-year-olds. And I was so concerned about how they would process everything and deal with what they saw. And I was concerned about their own safety, to be honest with you. But that didn't stop me from saying, yes, you can walk out with us and we'll show you what we do. And uh, on several occasions, probably six or seven occasions, on the corner of, and if you know this corner, Leavenworth and Golden Gate, which is right now where most of the drug activity is in the Tenderloin, Um, we would have a visitor if I was with young kids. And this woman would appear. And her name was Lydia, although I always called her our angel. And she would appear and she would say to the children, I'm so glad that you're walking out with the night minister. They do such good work. Then she would tell her story about how over the years, when she was struggling so with drug addiction, when her kids had been taken away from her, when she was in prison, it was the night minister or a chaplain that would bring her comfort and care and put her back on track. And then she would tell the children that now she's clean and sober, she's living a nice life, she's reunited with all her children, and she has the utmost faith and gratitude for God and God's love that restored her to a healthy place in her life. Then she would take a moment and look in the eyes of every one of these teenage kids and say, now, you have a choice to make. Make the right choice. And you have angels with you, and you have God on your side. You have already won the victory, 
So why slide back into evil and wickedness? And then she would walk away. She had a huge impact on these young kids who remembered Lydia because we always do a little talk around what they saw and heard and what it meant to them. And that was always the most powerful moment. She always only showed up when we had young kids. And I don't remember seeing her any other time. And I used to walk in the Tenderloin almost every night of the week for 15 years. So I think she was our angel. And I tell this story because it serves us well as we consider the place of Michael and all the angels sent to us by God to be our guardians. Maybe you have your own experience with angels. And maybe during coffee hour we can share some of those stories with each other. Sometimes they help us from being spared from disaster. Sometimes they comfort us in a time of loss. Sometimes we receive an important message from God through them. We live in a world that does not really encourage us to believe in or appreciate angels. But as children of God, we also live in the spiritual realm. And we have a biblical story that tells us so much about what God has done for us and how God does it, and we receive this story by faith. In Scripture, there are several references to angels. Can you guess how many? Nearly 273 references to angels. They're God's messengers. They have no bodies. They're spiritual beings. They're created by God to bring a word of God's will and purpose into our realm. If you think of some of the stories that you know from Scripture that have angels, maybe your list includes these. Angels guarded the Garden of Eden just when Adam and Eve were expelled from it. Angels brought food and water to Elijah in his time of distress. Jesus was ministered to by angels after his 40 days in the wilderness. Think of the Christmas story. Zechariah and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, so many folks were visited by angels to hear the announcement of Jesus' birth. And then one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 91, says, God will put the angels in charge of you to protect you wherever you go. Sometimes we think of angels as chubby little creatures with wings, thanks to the influence of European Baroque art. But today's first and second reading that Beverly read give us a different image of angels 
we see Michael the archangel, a strong figure with sword in hand. And this is the picture we need to have of an angel as we reflect on these readings today and we discover the angel's part in God's triumphant power over the mysterious and dark powers of evil. Michael was God's instrument to defeat Satan, a fallen angel who, because angels like humans had free will, wanted to be like God and led a rebellion in heaven against divine authority. Heavenly war ensued. When Michael and his angels defeated the adversary, Satan was thrown out of heaven into the depths. How it could have happened is beyond our comprehension. And it recalls a lot of the questions that I hear a lot and I know we constantly ask. Did God create evil? Why does God allow evil in the world? Why can't evil just leave us alone? But these stories aren't to get us to focus on the evil and wickedness of the world. We see enough of that. These stories are part of our Bible readings today because they are stories of hope. It gave hope to those Christians in the first century after Jesus who were being persecuted and killed because of their faith. And John's message to them by sharing his revelation to them was that, yes, there will be dark times ahead. There will always be dark times ahead. But there will be victory in the end. And the same message is there for us as well. I'll tell you another angel story. It's my own. I don't know if you know this. My mother died of polio two days after I was born. So I was raised by and then adopted by an uncle and aunt who did their best with me. And uh, part of their doing their best was to take me to Nebraska to visit my father and my brother, half-brother, half-sister, one week out of the year. All my cousins, all my aunts and uncles, everyone. And so... One of these trips, I really wanted my family to talk about my mother, and to hear her stories, but being the kind of German Lutherans that they were, it's like, oh no, we don't talk about her much, you know, we, we just aren't going to share that information. I so wanted to see pictures of her, and they had put all the pictures of her away, and I wanted to touch something that was hers, but... There was nothing there. So I was getting angry and frustrated with my family. And then, on this visit, and I was about 12, uh, I had one aunt who blamed me for my mother's death. So, I was not in a good mood. And on the ride back to Minnesota, I was angry with my family I was angry with God, and I was coming to terms myself with why is there evil in the world? 
why couldn't you have stopped her death, stepped in, done something, you did it to other people, why couldn't you do it for my mother? You know, a 12-year-old's reaction to all this big stuff in the world. And then I fell asleep. But in my sleep, I had a vision, and it was my angel who said clearly to me, don't be angry. You don't know all the things that happened in your family. You don't know why this happened, and you will never know. But know this, that your mother is fine in heaven. She looks forward to the day when you will join her there. In the meantime, you have work to do, and you are going to do God's work. And then I woke up. What an interesting message from my angel. And some people, when I tell this story, say, well, that's just a silly 12-year-old having a dream. But it had a lot of influence in my choice of vocation and how I live my life. That's the central theme today. As potent as evil is, as real as death is, God has won the victory over it all. And God has shared that victory with us. Michael, the archangel, was instrumental in that conquest, but was not the ultimate victor. Jesus Christ came to win the ultimate battle between good and evil in his death, his life, and his resurrection. Jesus has met and conquered the ancient enemy of our souls and won that victory over death and invites us to share in that life, that victory, and that glory. Perhaps the readings of today give us a melancholy image of heavenly warfare. Maybe it has us focus on the battle of good and evil in the world and our lives. And maybe if we stay there, we get a little depressed. The message today is, don't stay there. For greater than evil in the world is the love of God in the world. And God sent Jesus into our world to battle for us, and God sends us back out into that world with a message of God's grace and God's love and this victory over sin and death and evil. Christ died, yes, but Christ was also raised, and his resurrection signals new hope and new beginning for us in our good fight of faith. And it also gives us the promise that when we face our moment of death, what is the promise? The promise is to be brought into that place and that being with Christ for, eternal, for all of eternity. 
The decisive battle has already been fought and won. And so we, on this day, can rejoice. And it's also in that place where we meet the angels. They join us when we sing. They pray with us when we pray. As we say each Sunday, therefore with angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven, we laud and magnify your holy name. And then we sing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord. There's one more item concerning angels I just want to lift up. In our last hour, there can be no more comforting and reassuring blessing than this, that God sends his angels to bear us home. For those of you who grew up in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, maybe you remember this stanza from a hymn written by Martin Schalling in 1567. Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home, that I may die unfearing. And in its narrow chamber keep my body safe in peaceful sleep until thy reappearing. And then from death awaken me that these mine eyes with joy may see. O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my font of grace. Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer attend, my prayer attend, and I will praise thee without end. Amen.